This is Seth Thomas with the Measure Once, Cuss Twice podcast, where we'll talk about tips, tricks, and all those mistakes we've made over the years. All right, welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Um, this is, I don't know why I always want to say that. Welcome. Thank you, Matt Manley, Dave McClellan. Um, both employees of the city of Johnson City. Um, I wanted to bring these guys in this morning and talk a little bit about how those things function and what their roles are inside that organization. Um, yeah, and just kind of give a, a good idea of what's going on with that. And for those of you who may not have any ideas or um, never needed to know how the city works or um, how everyone plays their part, then hopefully this will uh, be informative for you to, to pick up on that and learn a few things, and that's what we want to do. Once again, this podcast is covering all and every base. I'm naturally curious about many different things, so who knows where we're going to be from week to week. Um, but thank you guys for coming. Um, a lot of valuable insight, a lot of valuable experience, and hopefully we get to hear some cool stories about how things work within the city so welcome thanks Thanks, this is the first one i've done with two people so this might be it might be a little awkward bouncing back and forth but matt i'll I'll let you start since you're here next to me um what's your background uh where do you come from yeah what brought you here yeah i'm from greenville south carolina so upstate south carolina i grew up in a little town uh simpsonville a little suburb of greenville Uh, For those listeners who've uh, been to Greenville or um, heard a lot about it, it, I saw a lot of change happen uh, in a short amount of time, um, and all the downtown revitalization, all that occurred um, kind of starting the end, middle of my high school years, Um, and then post-college, my generation was the first to really start hanging out and... uh, and, uh, enjoying the downtown Greenville and it's been that so that place is, has changed immensely so that's a big part of my background um, as a city planner the way that uh, impacted me and influenced me um, bounced around a couple other places uh, after graduate school um, but most recently was in Boulder County in a little town uh, Lyons Colorado um, where I had a grant funded uh, position with the town and so I spent uh, almost two years in Colorado before relocating here to Johnson City. Um, but yeah, I have a master's in city and regional planning with a um, emphasis on urban design, a um, couple little certificates, uh, things like that related to uh, bicycles and green building and um uh, you have your I'll, bicycle driver's license? Is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, I have my, I have my uh, what's it called, my LCI, my league cycling instructor wow. uh, letters. And uh, and then uh, AICP, certified planner. Um, and so I've been with the city for a little over two and a half years, July of 2017 is when I started. And so um, it's been it's been good, but that's a little background yeah on me that's awesome that sounds like some fun places to work yeah i've Um, been very fortunate and have been in some 
some good places and successful places. And so that's a big part of um, wanting yeah. to uh, to share that experience here as part of my job in Johnson City. Yeah, sure. I think you and I met just in passing, going in and out of meetings. Yep. Um, because I was just naturally curious, and you were always in the back of the room sitting <laughs> next to me because we weren't actually on any boards. Right. We were just listening to what the boards had to say. Um, peanut galleries. The peanut gallery. We were the peanut gallery for sure. And we'd just look at each other and be like, what What? What did they, what did they say? What does that mean? <laughs> um, so, Dave, same question to you. <clears throat> well, uh, my background's in um, architecture as far as education and uh beginning of my professional career I've worked a lot of different architectural based firms and things um, but um, regionally I, I come from just south of Pittsburgh I grew up in the country uh, rurally um, didn't stay there because the uh, the uh, atmosphere or the I guess you could say you know since we're going to talk some about development there's no development it was completely dead the coal mines pulled out and economy and everything just crashed so when I went to college my aim was to to get out and try something different so went to school in Indiana and um, traveled around a little bit lived in a couple of different states trying to find the right fit um, right before I moved down here I was a uh, uh, I went to graduate school uh, I, I, actually I started uh, some undergraduate art in Frostburg Maryland and I said I, I want to go to I want to go to graduate school for art so that's what brought me to Johnson City um, was the art program here because I wanted to be in Appalachia. I figured from moving around that this is the place I wanted to be because I like the people. Yeah. <clears throat> and I link the people a lot to how I experience a place. Um, and so I looked for schools like that. ETSU fit the bill. Moved down here. Um, went to graduate school for painting. Actually started for printmaking and ended up in painting. Um, met a girl in drawing class. Married her. Three, that was quick. Three kids later, <laughs> three kids later. Here, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a lifetime Johnson City guy. Actually, this year will mark 18 years in Johnson City, uh, which wow. is equivalent to any other place I've ever lived. Because I was 18, right. of course, when I moved right. out to go to college. Yeah. Um, so I, I will officially be just as much from Tennessee this year as I was I'm, from Pennsylvania. I'm closing in on that. Old. Yeah, yeah. There's, I'm not telling you about the middle part. There's a, yeah, there's yeah. a, there's yeah. a middle part there, too. It's, it's, it's interesting, too. I think we should get into that. <laughs> I'm closing in on that, um, what would you call that, uh, versary, I guess. Um, I think I've been here 15, 16 years, so it's getting to the, the, breaking, the split point for me as well. And, you know, those of us that have been here that long remember downtown Johnson City specifically – when it wasn't a desirable place to be. Right. There were a couple of hard-nosed business owners that refused to leave and, and had successful businesses down here. Um, but, man, it wasn't – that was a real small group of people. Right. Even a small group of people that f frequented these areas down right. here. So um, so that's awesome. Cool. It's, it's, it's cool to hear where you guys come from and what motivated you to come here. Uh, this is an awesome area. And I think once people get in and meet the people, the people that care, um, it, it's hard to leave. It's tough to head back out. I, yeah, I don't want to. I have no desire. I yeah. mean, there's uh, the opportunities have come up and things happen where you say, well, you know, and you start to think about this. And I, and I tell people that whenever we have professional conversations, like, well, we could live anywhere we want to. Yeah. You know, I think everybody here decides to stay here, you know, so – 
Yeah, and it speaks, well, speaks volumes. It's funny, too, to have been on the front end of all this and been a part of the growth um, in, ton, you know, whatever aspect. It's tough to give that up. Yeah, for sure. You either go somewhere else where someone else has already done that work and you don't feel connected because you didn't get to be a part of it, or you go somewhere where it hasn't started yet and you're overwhelmed by man, I'm going to go through this whole process again. <laughs> so much to do. Yeah. Yeah. I know exactly what I need to do. Who do I talk to to tell them? I've already been through this. Let me help. Well, I, I, just on that same topic, I felt that way out in Colorado. Mm-hmm. They, they don't need any help out there. Right. They're doing just fine. Um, I felt that same sense uh, in, in Greenville where that excitement of being part of something. Um, but when I left for a little while and came back, it was like this – it's no longer doesn't need me. It's not for me. I really felt this kind of separation. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we've looked at other places, but it is that same thing of would I be making an impact? Uh, and you also have, I mean, the despite the mountains and the opportunity and the great people here, uh, it's affordable. And these other places that seem desirable are not affordable and so people are going to figure that out and they're coming over the mountain already and uh, I think that's one of the most uh, attractive things about Johnson City that sets it apart beyond um, just the the opportunities for outdoor recreation and um, so yeah I've had that I've I've said that for a couple years now knowing what the cost of living is in Asheville Mm -hmm. and now I'm already pushed out to Weaverville it's getting very expensive to live in Weaverville you know, Irwin's the next hot spot. And yeah. logistically, you're 30 minutes from work if you work on this side of Asheville. Like, that's not a bad drive. It's all interstate. Yeah. Um, Beautiful think, interstate. Yeah, it's, it's, a, yeah, it's a gorgeous part of the interstate, one of the few nice parts of the interstate. Um, coming across the gap, and, and Irwin's a cool little town. And the more amenities that they have, you'll see those people that may be used to those in Asheville. Um, start to come over and buy up those cool little houses. And, yep. Um, so, Matt, what is your role in the city, to be general and vague? Yeah. So my title is senior planner. Um, I do a lot of different things, uh, which is which is good. That's why uh, I was drawn to the planning field to begin with, is because it carries it covers so much, uh, so many different bases. Um, so main top priority is uh, historic zoning and so I'm the liaison to that commission Um, so I work um, with those commissioners and kind of oversee the work uh, with our historic districts Um, so that's tree streets and downtown primarily we have a couple of landmarks Um, and so uh, that's a that's a top priority then also other kind of special projects um, that may come come up to assist uh, residents or a neighborhood, um, whether it's writing a grant or um, trying to address some issue, some larger issue, and, um, and looking at potential things that the city can do to, to facilitate um, some solutions. Um, and then also text revision, so our, our zoning code is what really dictates um, what kind of development can and can't occur in the city. And so looking at the future, um, looking at trends, um, looking at uh, state laws that have changed. What do we need to do with our zoning code to accommodate development um, and uh, you know, achieve a, 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 a built environment that 
reflects what the, what the residents of the city want to see, uh, what the builders want to build, um, and not have the zoning code be in the way of that. Yeah. So looking at opportunities there, um, without getting too deep into it, one of the um, you know one of the main issues is infill development, and so. Uh, we got plenty of builders who are looking to um, build on our more core urban lots, um, but we have a very suburban zoning code. So, how do we how do we recognize that there needs to be a distinction um, between the way we've built for the last uh, 30, 40 years uh, and the way they built before that, right. and make it legal to build that way again? Yeah. Um, and so, going looking at our traditional neighborhoods and making sure that that's basically. <coughs> Um, that, that's a pattern of development that we um, support in yeah. the city. Uh, so break it down a little bit how zoning works, how you know different areas of town get zoned for, for different usages and, and what that might look like or when that might come into play for, per se, just a general resident and not a developer. Yeah, so zoning is the separation of land uses. Land uses are things that you're permitted to do on a piece of property. It's, it's, a, it's a very restrictive um, uh, code or law um, that's been in place since uh, early 30s, I believe, is mm-hmm. when the first court case kind of legalized zoning, uh, uh, the Euclid case. And so... Um, it's a it's a police power that's given to cities, and um, it's really about compatibility. So what, you know, if you want to have your industry over here, then what is going to be beside that industry? Do you want to put your single family homes, your residence, right next to industry, uh, where there might be some um, some nuisances that are associated with with that type of land use? And so, no, you know, don't want to put those things there. So uh, trying to figure out where all the pieces fit. Um, but then again, it comes with, um, that can come with, you know, kind of spacing things out too far. So, you know, if you want to go to work from your house, well, you got to drive all the way across town, um, cause things have become so separated. So looking for compatibility beyond just this is commercial, this is residential, this is industrial. Um, that's kind of the way that, that we're trying to move, uh, that, uh, other successful cities have moved the way that things were done in the past and were successful, but then at some point we said, no, you know, we gotta push all those things apart. That corner market, you know, doesn't belong in this neighborhood anymore or whatever it may be. Um, And I think a lot of that, um, a lot of the zoning issues probably arose from more on the resident side where it's like, I don't want a developer coming in and buying the three houses next to me and putting a service station in. Or whatever it may be. And so it's kind of a self-preservation of like, that's not good for my property values. I don't want to live next to a service station. Um, And so from a resident's perspective, that's probably okay in some instances for that. um, It it provides some certainty. Yeah, for for sure. sure. So Dave, um, a little bit about what you do within the city mechanism. I just keep people happy. That's it. All day long. That's that is a that is a great role to have. A hard if, if I could only do that. Right. That would be that would be great. I try yeah. anyway. No, but uh, and you're the all, liaison to happiness. <laughs> the happiness czar. Getting that on my cards. Yeah. Um, no, but in, in in all seriousness, the way I like the way I always differentiate between 
planning and build. Okay, so let me let me back up a little bit. So what I do is um, over building. So that includes anything that gets built. So commercial, residential, anything that we regulate that gets built on the ground. So it's it's um, <clears throat> building in my mind is vertical, mm-hmm. where land use. I always tell people zoning and planning is what you can do where, and then building is how you build the thing to do it in. Right. You know, right. so they do horizontal, we do vertical, and they determine where on the ground you can do that, and we just say, okay, here's how you put it together. Yeah. You know, um, so that's a good analogy. Um, so, so and, and it's a good. It helps people, I think, understand because they often call me and say. What are the setbacks for this building? And I'm like, well, that's a planning thing. They, what are you talking about? You're a building guy. You should know where you can do stuff. And I'm like, right. well, I kind of do, yeah. but I'm going to let the people that deal with this all day long, the experts, you know, tell you about it. You right, know, I'm right, not going right. to try to fill that role. So, um, unless it's unless and it's that, easy and I know. But. Yeah, I'm sure that can get messy too. When you're like, oh, this isn't my job, but this is this and this. Yeah, and this. yeah. We, and we try to blur the lines to be helpful. Yeah, yeah. So we know at least enough to be dangerous, and and if it's. Uh, more detailed, you make sure you get them in the hands of somebody, right. you know, that, that has all the information. But I, I think it's interesting when we're talking about setbacks, mm-hmm. you have to be this, you have to be so many feet from your property line before you can start building. That is different than land use. I mean, it's 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 an area of zoning that's in our zoning code um, that has more to do with buildings or um, uh, area, and uh, I always found that interesting. It's true. Yeah, it, that makes sense. It's not what you can do there. It's where you can do what. It's about, <laughs> it, it is about compatibility. Totally clear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's Get about that. compatibility. Right. In case it was confusing before, that's too clear. Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense to me. Yeah, totally. No, I, no, I get it. I get it. It's a physical building. Where can I set this physical building would seem to be on Dave's side of things and not on the planning side right. of things. but. In a way that's compatible with its surroundings. That's why that's why it jumps back into our kind of thing. Right, person. right. Is I'm not gonna. I was gonna ask: Is there a ton of redundancy in what you guys do? Redundancy? Yeah. You said redu- redundancy. Didn't never mind. Uh, Redundant. We'll get we'll get back to that. <laughs> Did you get that? Yeah. Um, so you do the vertical side of things right right so how, how high and of what material you can use and how and how to keep really it's all about um build, the building side of things is about maintaining life safety and keeping people's property safe right. so we're looking to make sure your your house doesn't get flooded um that you don't get caught in there in, in, a, in a, a commercial uh, establishment whenever something happens if there's an explosion or a fire or some kind of emergency um, so that's really that's the that's the highest level explanation, mm-hmm. uh, and most of the stuff that we do goes to support that to protect yeah. your property or your life. Yeah, uh, and that's our ultimate goal, really. Um, but uh, but that's 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 a giant nutshell. Right, right. <laughs> fire, fire right. safety stuff. Absolutely, yeah. And but there are so many moving parts inside of that. I mean, there's even you know we even regulate who does what. You know, okay. so we, we regulate the the uh, qualifications of the people that do the things. Um, so that's actually a really big part. So the, the, the building side of things is broken into two columns. Uh, and you have, um, we have uh, basically some permit, te- we have permit techs who are led by a permitting coordinator. Um, and they deal with all the paperwork and getting the documents to people, getting the documents in the right hand, the, the software that makes the workflow go. So they make all the process in the office happen. And then the other side is all the inspectors who's led by the chief building official. <clears throat> and 
they go out in the field and what they do is they inspect to make sure everything that came in on those applications that we've looked over and said, yeah, this is good, this is the way you need to build it. They look at those, they, they, they compare those plans that were approved to what actually got done. And then they say, yeah, this works. Or they say, oh, no, something's different here. We need right. to go back and make sure this is going to be okay. Right. Um, so that's basically their job. Yeah. And then the chief building officials over them to, to make sure that they're um, doing what they're supposed to um, and, and following through and, st and sticking with the program, really. But um, so then my position is just to help out both sides of those columns. Mm -hmm. um, my uh, title is a development services manager. That doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> right. you know? um, my six-year-old always he calls me the building boss. There you I, go. And I, I'd like to have that on my cards. You should do more, that. more so, but you know, <laughs> I, I think that there's too much paperwork involved with right, changing right, that. Right. So you know, we'll just stick with yeah. development services yeah. manager. But um, yeah, yeah. Then I, I, one of the things I like about it most, um, and that we hope to um, <clears throat> develop more, um, because it's actually a new position. There was a reorganization uh, within the department. Um, and the, the position that I'm in is new, and, and one of the facets of it that we're hoping is beneficial to, the, to everyone in, in development that builds anything, really, um, is that I'm going to act as an advocate for, for that development uh, and spend more time in the field to interact with folks. Yeah. Um, and it's actually already started to help a, a lot. Um, there's that uh, great big building on top of People Street that you can see from the highway. It's yeah. gigantic. Yeah. It's a Dominion. It's a... a, a non-assisted senior living it's basically independent like a senior living. independent there you go that's the word i'm looking for yeah so um that place is gigantic and we just we just wrapped that one up and uh, uh an example of acting as an advocate for them was when they got near the end of their project and we they could see it coming and they're like okay we know next month we're going to want to close this thing out i went out there and just sat down with the guys in the job trailer and we went over everything that they knew was in a state that where they thought it was and i compared that to all our records we made sure it all jived out and then we say okay now we've got this program under control you got to do a b c and d to get to the finish line yeah you know so then it's actually getting to the finish line after that yeah and i think that's that's really valuable that's awesome that you're doing that and kind of taking a an active role in that position to it's really just preventative maintenance absolutely you know let's go ahead and take care of this stuff now mm -hmm. so that we're not taking care of it on the back end and holding you guys up from opening because this you know obviously it's something that people need but in any business mm -hmm. usually people are deeply invested and need to get the doors open and start creating right. revenue right and so no one wants to be held up any longer than you have to be similar scenario when we opened skillville um I kind of took the same approach and I knew that we were going to have to have the fire marshal come in and do an inspection. And so I called him a couple of like three weeks out and I said, Hey, just come down if you've got some time and take a look at the building since this is kind of a new concept and, and let's talk about it and let's figure out what you need to see when you come to do your final inspection. And he was nice enough to come down and he said, all right, this is what I'm, I'm going to need in order for you to pass. And when he showed up to do his final inspection, everything was done, and we didn't have to worry about it and signed the papers. And, you know, it just made things go a lot smoother than, you know, you hear about people trying to cut corners all the time. Sure. And it never works <clears throat> out. It, or not, you know, not gathering enough information. Maybe they, they're used to doing it a certain way. Um, but, yeah, that, that preliminary meeting with staff – um, makes every project go so much smoother. And, yeah. and I think what the element that's been added with Dave's new role is 
um, that it's not just preliminary. It's it's it's, it's full yeah. service all yeah. the way through. Yeah, right? yeah. So. And I think that's been something that's needed some work within Johnson City for a while. If you listen to the, uh, a lot of opinions of builders who've who've dealt with some things, and you know, sometimes you have to work out some kinks, and sometimes that takes time. And you know, I think everyone has the best interest of downtown because most people saw what it was like, like we spoke about um, 10, 15 years ago, when it was, you know, a barren marshland. Um, that flooded once a month. Right. So, right. <laughs> you know, and it's, and sometimes it's, it's, I don't know if this is the right analogy, hard to see the forest for the trees. You see all these things happen over a long span of time and you don't realize just what's happened. Founders Park, King Commons, all this flood mitigation. Those are obvious ones. Um, you know, the retention basin over by my building on Market Street, that one's nothing to go see until it rains and sure, it's right, like right. that's keeping a whole you know two blocks from flooding yeah um so you know there there's a ton of things at work and a ton of hands and moving parts uh, making things happen even if they don't all look like parks where you can take your kids and your dog so. so one interesting thing about this point where johnson city is uh especially when you look at other places well um you know Asheville was desolate you know, had a, had a, had all the form was there, but mm-hmm. it just was not happening downtown. They even considered raising all of downtown at one point. Thank goodness they didn't. Um, but then you look at it now, and you you know, how many people that live in Asheville are actually downtown hanging out? I think there's a, a pretty shared sense that it doesn't feel like it's for them; it's for tourists. Mm-hmm. Greenville, South Carolina, is the same way. There's lots of other cities that have had success, but what does that success look like? Is it is it where you've uh, developed uh, into a town that's for other people or are you a place that's a great place to live for the, the residents of your city and so we're at a point in Johnson City's uh, evolution that well we can maybe think ahead about that and make sure that we don't um, end up you know the same way where we've kind of sold out or whatever like some other cities have um, so something for people to think about. Yeah, I agree. I think you have to s- decide at whatever at this point probably what your identity is going to be. Yeah. And I think all everyone who is involved is pushing for an identity of a local great place to live, not for anyone else but ourselves. And not that is not a selfish uh, approach to it, but each we don't of, want each to of the ideas and projects that come up need to be vetted through whatever that vision is yeah, through that lens yeah, so for sure. making sure that because uh, things can sound great um on it on the surface but then um you, you've got to i think there's this it you've got to start being more critical as as you become more successful yeah for sure one thing i'd like to make make note of that i don't think a lot of people know is and I get this from, you know, friends, family, even my wife. She actually kind of does it teasingly now. But um, they think that we have control over what comes here. Mm-hmm. Right. right. We need to go get this. We need to go get that. Right. Right. Well, you know, sometimes maybe we can, you know, work at that a little, but very, very little. Mm-hmm. It's it's usually just whoever wants to come here. They've know? already looked at Johnson City before you ever pitched them Johnson absolutely. City. Absolutely. Yeah. Unless you, know, you really, really... If they wanted to come here. Really, really identify something that you wanted to incentivize. A- absolutely. But on a day-to-day basis. Day-to-day, right. Day. right. 
We're responding. Yes, exactly. It's it's more responsive, and, and there there are efforts, and but the efforts are are towards bigger things and not the stuff that we all interact with on a yeah. daily basis, yeah. you know. Um, but um, a lot of the stuff about the identity and making the town what it is and what it's going to be and all that, I think there's another factor there, which is public works, which is gigantic. You know, all the stuff you've mentioned about flood mitigation and about King Commons and about founders, that's all public works. Yeah. And that was all in an effort to, I mean, really all of us working together. So public works had to put forth that flood mitigation to make it possible for people to care what the zones are and worry about how you build something. Right. You know what I mean? So so do you um, guys have a hand in that at all, or does Public Works have their own kind of design implementation arm as far as how to build things? Do you guys deal in their department at all? Does it all is it all cohesive, or do they have their own? Is that, is that the right question? That is the right question. Uh, I'm asking... There is. I don't know if I posed um, that right. Uh, yeah, no, we, we, I think we understand what you're getting at. Yeah, uh, the public works pretty tight little group. Okay. So, um, well, Dave has a role here too. <laughs> I, I mean, I kind of see more advocacy is you know like hey, trying to draw attention to occasionally big projects. It's um, more eyes. All hands on deck. Yeah, kind of. And then then yeah. there's input. The ultimate call is going to be public works, okay. um, but it can provide input from other departments. Okay. Um, but uh, I think going through the, through the through the various commissions and stuff, they all everyone ultimately gets input from everywhere. Right. Yeah. Um, and the city in, commission and it, is going to be the ultimate decision right. makers because it, public works is going to be some kind of capital, mm-hmm. which has to be approved by the city. Absolutely. Right. And so right. That right. money has to get approved. Everything has to be. Ultimate, ultimately, there are documents that um, are intended to steer, um, such as the master plan uh, uh, for, for the city. I mean, mm-hmm. there is a master plan. And, of course, it's impossible to stick to anything because right. everything changes in every moment. Right, right. Uh, but I feel that that is a general idea that's generated um, and, like I said, maybe not always stuck to. Um, well, it's interesting you say that because that should be my answer, but I haven't been here only two and a half years the comprehensive plan that we we're working with was, was already dated when i got here mm-hmm. so it hasn't been we look at it occasionally and try to use it to guide got us but um it's time for a new one and we are um we are waiting we're due now but with the census uh coming up and brand new accurate data just on the horizon we're waiting to do a full comprehensive plan for the city until we have more accurate data. So yeah, that makes I think sense. everybody agrees that kind of makes sense. And then there's small area plans like West Walnut, mm-hmm. um, where we, we took a, a little section of the town and studied it uh, um, at more of a micro level and um, had recommendations that were approved or adopted um, in a conceptual way as part of that plan. And so that definitely, it's it, the the Public Works is working on the streetscaping and stormwater management and bearing of utilities through that entire corridor. They are running that project, but it's based on that plan. Yeah. Generally, so it's, yeah. they had to go from concept 
to engineering scale design, right. and then you get into construction. Mm-hmm. That's but, a, that's a great example. I mean, because yeah. it's more tangible and it's something that's active right now. Right? Yeah, it's about it's right on the horizon mm-hmm. this fall. I think maybe yeah. is what they're talking about. I'm extremely excited about that one. I think it's going to be a great connector. You know, it's going to connect the university to downtown to the neighborhood. It's going to make that whole thing one big usable cohesive thing instead of a couple of bits and pieces that want to come together but don't know how. Yeah, know? that that public investment will mm-hmm. will. Um, partner or be compatible with the other private investment that's already occurring to then spur additional private investment. Right. Just just like downtown. You know, I mean, yeah. what they do just first? Like yeah. Fix the streets, you yeah. know, put some money into simple things like yeah. hanging plants, you know, <laughs> yeah. and like watering that. those plants. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden, everybody's like, hey, what are they doing down there? Yeah. I, I think I might want to put my business in this building. Yeah. Do you see that space? That looks that looks good for me, yeah. you know. But so you, you got to show you care. Putting those benches. Like, when are they going to do this? And yeah. do that? There's still a lot of work. Since they're, since they're doing all this stuff, I've got a few suggestions for them. Yeah, exactly. painting those planter boxes, putting the benches on them. Right. I mean, it's all aesthetics, but those are the things that people look for, especially if they're looking to relocate to a town like this. Absolutely. If the city is willing to invest money into the aesthetics of a downtown, or the entire city, really, then then you know that they're, they're on a growth pattern um, that's moving up. No one... No one paints planters boxes if um, they're in a downward, downward spiral. Sure, in a back alley somewhere <laughs> yeah. that's not getting used. Right, yeah, it's right. Not happen. So, um, I really want a trolley to run down the West Walnut Street. I think that'd be so. A cool. trolley bus? Yeah, it could be a bus. It'd be cooler to have tracks. Who was the? I don't know. Somebody, rumors somebody was just talking about that. I can't remember. I mean, we was, have was the buses you? still. You. No, that was you, I thought. You said that. I thought we had a trolley bus. Yeah, we do. We bought a See? bunch from Gatlinburg. Yeah. I knew was we had. I, I knew there was a rumor. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if they still, if if they're still in the possession of Johnson City, but I remember when those things used to ride around. Yeah. yeah. I think they still had, like, bears and stuff the, on the side. They were going, nice. I remember them going from, like, they were going down University whenever it got extended over there with, the, with like, the ballpark and all that. Yeah. I remember it coming down there. Tennessee and, Street. It, yeah. It used to be. Right. Yeah. Or, yeah, that's what it used to be, right? Yeah, not what it is. That's yeah. what it used to be. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's always that in I my think, head. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, I remember it rolling down that way and going towards the university. Maybe small travel distance, but I haven't seen it in a long time. So I'm glad you brought yeah. that up because I did tell that to Matt. Matt mentioned a trolley like last week. Yeah. And I was like, we have those. Yeah, they're somewhere. Yeah. They may be in a lot somewhere. And then I thought maybe I was crazy. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's a that's an easy fix, especially if they already have the actual trolleys. They may have sold oh gosh, them off. That might yeah. be the easiest fix. The easiest they fix. Have one. Just put gas in it and drive yeah, it. Start, yeah. <laughs> they hadn't ran in probably 10 years, I'd mm-hmm. say, if I had to guess. You know um, the mechanic? I'm, yeah, yeah. I've got too many things going on already. Be trolley manager of trolleys. <laughs> I already own a school bus. I mean, yeah, there you go. I've got the uh, ex, the expertise down, um, but I think that would just be so cool just to see those running back and forth, <laughs> and it it connects, you know, and I hate to say this for as close as ETSU and downtown are, there's such there's always been a disconnect. Mm-hmm. It is a what what do you call that a, a twenty minute walk so. If it's exactly a mile, that that's edge of campus yeah. to edge of downtown is a mile. Yeah. So when you try to plan for uh, pedestrian or bicycle activity, you're looking at a quarter mile. Five minute walk yeah. is a comfortable distance that you can say, we can ask this of people, mm-hmm. and so and still get somewhere, eat, and get back to yes, where you're going. A reasonable amount of time, and yeah. then 
and then you have the 10 minute walk, half mile, you're kind of, um, you know, you're pushing the number of people who would be willing to do that. Um, and so at a mile, you're definitely outside that yep. pedestrian shed. And so you're more into a, a bicycle connection or a very friendly transit option uh, where I think this, this trolley idea comes in, um, where it's attractive, it's um, aesthetic, it's interesting. You know, you got open air sides and um, I think it uh, would appeal to families and that kind of thing. And uh, yeah. so that, well, that and the, might be a really good solution. The, the bigger elephant in the room if people used it and took advantage of it, it could relieve these parking issues that we have. Um, I'd like to point out the quotes that you made as you said. I, I, did, air, I, did, air, <laughs> I did air quote parking issues. So um, We don't have parking issues in Johnson City. Well, there is a perceived... I'm so happy Matt to hear you say that. Matt disagrees with me. Uh, it's a perceived one. Perception yeah. is reality. You can't park in front of the place you want to go <laughs> right. every time you want to go there at any time of day. And I always like the the comparison when they say, you know, when you go to a, like a big box store, are you parking? No, you don't park right in front of the door. You're way oh, out. Yeah. Who knows where? And it takes you, you know, five minutes to walk up there. But if you, when you have to walk that downtown, all of a sudden you're like, oh man, I and maybe park over there. And maybe we're just spoiled yeah. to to have been around when you could park anywhere you wanted to downtown. Right. Oh, right. Well, um, by all the massive uh, oceans of parking lots we have anywhere else you go. Right. 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 Just, right. And it's like that anywhere else yeah. in right. the country. But um, it's hard. You have to make that that commitment because uh, you want to go to. The, the central hub uh, that's really the heart of the city and there's something that's that special about it that if it even even if it's not a uh, a real difference in the amount but it's even if it feels like it's hard to park and get there it's still um, a place you want to go and you'll 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 walk across state of Franklin yeah. and some railroad tracks to get there um, it's the only place in the city where you're gonna have um, where you have a combination of uh, living working, Worshipping, shopping, all the things that you can do is all in one place. Yep. There's nowhere else in the city you can find that. Yep. Um, it's maybe Walmart. Can you do all those things at Walmart? Um, I have. <laughs> specifically, <laughs> specifically worshipping. Yeah. Um, I was sleeping. So, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's been great to watch Johnson City grow and and see things pop up like i will sacrifice a parking lot dave you might remember this in front of where mid-city grill is now i'll sacrifice a parking lot for a farmer's market right it's still a parking lot sure but now it's it's also an amenity that that people get to use and take advantage of a bunch of parking in your downtown you don't have a downtown right you the it's the form uh the vertical form uh the density um, the experience at a pedestrian level between the, the relationship between the sidewalks and the buildings, the space between buildings, the height of buildings, the street trees, all those elements could come together to make it a place that feels comfortable. That's our, our human nature is drawn to that environment. It's, it, it, it feels comfortable. There's a, um, uh, you know, a, a sense of comfort that's, that's found in those kind of environments. So, and I know that, the you parking break, garage, you put a big is, asphalt space in between that, and, it, and that form breaks down. Yeah, and so for sure. You lose that. And I know the parking garage has always been the bastard child of parking downtown. No one wanted to really use it, but I have it on good authority that there is an elevator going in 
eventually. There's some efforts uh, there. That I think an if, external if you can elevator to that parking garage, yeah. then you you really address a lot of the perceived issues or real yeah. issues with parking. Um, and so that's another we talked about. You know, we already have a trolley. Well, we already have a parking garage. Yeah. We just got a you know some design issues and some. Uh, kind of managed operational issues that yeah. need to be overcome. And so, were you around when the they pulled the street up on Main? Yep, and the tra- absolutely the tracks. Yeah. Um, that was one of the coolest things. So that at some point they were doing a public works project, pulled Main Street up between That's South Rhone, between South Rhone and Buffalo, right. And the original railroad tracks are still laying under that street. They're, they're still most, there they're now. Straight down Main Street, I saw them. Probably six months ago during the project, they left them. Uh, they left them there, and, and I'd heard. I don't know if, how much truth there is this. I'd heard that when they paved back over them, they did it in a way that if they ever wanted to open that back up, it wouldn't damage them because all the it was all brick lined right. with railroad tracks going yeah. down the center. If you didn't get to see that, there's some pictures floating around. Such a cool scene running down Main Street, and there was a lot of talk of putting bollards up and making that a walking mall. Um, wasn't the right time to do that when they exactly. did, when right. they um, had the street pulled up, but maybe at some point. Well, Main Street make more sense. and Market Street are designated state routes, so they yeah, are under the management of yeah. the state. And so there's very little, and because of that uh, designation, there's very little local control. Right. Um, so major projects like that, reconfiguring the lanes, maybe widen sidewalks putting in bigger spaces for street trees, all those kind of things that we may see that we want uh, for our main street uh, are very challenging because of that designation. And that the reason for that is because that's where the um, on-ramp, on-ramp exit ramp for I-26 is on that route. Right. And so even though the state of Franklin seems like the obvious choice, well, that's more of a kind of a freight route or you know high, higher volume rather than going right down the middle of downtown. So doesn't have an exit. Right. So how hard is it from a planning perspective and from a building perspective? Do we shift that exit ramp over to State of Franklin, which would alleviate the issue with the state route, making an access onto the interstate? I had this conversation. We had this conversation maybe uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, Would that be all that would be needed to shift state of Franklin over to a state route. And then you'd have a little more freedom on main and market to create some, I won't say better spaces, but create different spaces, organize it a little differently. Um, do you think that's feasible? As someone who's not an engineer? <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Just throw it right in there. Throw it in anywhere. Yeah. And whenever you say that, I think, I think um, that sounds like a, so it sounds like a, an interesting idea that would have to be, you know, really looked at. Yeah, obviously and, this isn't a quick public. Yeah, right, 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 right. right. Yeah. And also, um, what comes along with that in my mind is probably a, just short of like a, a bazillion dollars. I think it's just okay. under That's a bazillion. It. Bazillion. Okay. Yes. Yes. Just, just Let's maybe, get just, two of them. Then. <laughs> And, and that's just me. Get, not, I'm not an a, a economist, so I don't really know. All right. <laughs> just one bazillion dollars. You asked that question to the wrong people. <laughs> yeah. No, it's okay. We I'm like just, the idea. I like the idea. I think it's a good these idea. Are, these are just yeah. thoughts that ramble through my head. Yeah. Um, no, it's good to, to dream and, and, and uh, yeah, that's long to term. Yeah, that's long term because I know that's been a conversation uh, piece a few times over the last few years of like, you know, 
could we move that designation over to State of Franklin? Because it does make logistical sense. Would be to change to move the signs for the state route <laughs> over to State of Franklin. Now you're thinking. Point. Have that's all you got to do. That point you to the exits. Yeah, that's true. And then and then we have Main Street. That makes too. Much and the sense. state wouldn't even know. I mean, they would say they would think it was there the whole time. Have to give oh, their permission yeah. oh, to move the signs. Got it. Good point. They're not that hard to. Move. That's why. That's why you're here to keep me under control. <laughs> they're not. We're they're not that moving signs tonight. <laughs> they're not that hard to move. This is turned out. The they're not that hard to move. <laughs> <laughs> I was young once. Um, so that's awesome. So what do you think, Dave? What do you think is the vision? I'm gonna actually. I'm gonna ask you this from a, a residence perspective on the tree streets mm-hmm. who. Uh, it butts up to West Walnut Street where we're, we've been talking about this development in the works. Um, what's the consensus within the tree streets, the residents, um, and what they would like to see with a main thoroughfare for them, essentially an access point um, for all of those houses? What do you think? What do you think would be best suited for that? And that can be just your personal opinion. And what do you think? Have you heard the residents would like to see that become? Well, you know, I've seen there. It takes me back to a video whenever I, I can't even remember the time frame. There's a video where all the kids in the neighborhood were talking about what they'd like to see happen nearby. You mm-hmm. know, and um, of course there was a, there was a lot of stuff like I want a pool and an arcade and a, you know, I mean like all this kid stuff. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, honestly, I don't think that kind of stuff is really too far from what is honestly wanted. They want it to be family friendly. You know, yeah. they want it to be uh, they want it to be something they can walk to and enjoy themselves. And that includes you know restaurants and you know that's, there's college stuff there too that you know hits the middle ground. Mm-hmm. You know, um, pubs where you can eat and you know I mean different things. I, I think they want all that. Um, they really just want it to be centered around the the pedestrian mm-hmm. uh, that whole neighborhood is yeah. if anybody spends 10 seconds in that neighborhood <laughs> right, you know right. you're like this is not automobile based right right you got bikes you've got people walking dogs you've got you know kids playing on the sidewalk i mean it's all about being outside and engaging one another mm-hmm. the big front porches that you know help that along um it's it's a neighborhood and they i think they just want it to be a part of the neighborhood and that's just my i mean an extension of yeah, residents. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. yeah, no, that's a great idea. I think someone needs to open something to balance out all the sweet things that are opening up. On, on <laughs> <laughs> you know, we have a lot of uh, sugar heavy. It's the kids. Uh, it's all those kids. It's their the recommendations. Yeah. <laughs> oh, more sugar. Let's do it. We're gonna fill the silos at the mill with sugar. Yeah, you can just come out like a hamster's water bottle and just. <laughs> roll the ball and get a little taste of sugar water um yeah that mill project's been amazing to watch um i'm excited to see that thing come to fruition and i actually got to walk through that building about a week before it was set on fire mm-hmm. um and see it in its original form and it was really neat which i don't think it did a ton of damage to as far as just the the appearance of it um and so to see where it's come and what it's going to look like when they get that thing fully operational. That's, that's one of those landmark projects. That's just exciting. Um, and that's one of those hubs that anchor for that, sure that yeah. people can come to from Catalyst. the tree streets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I know they've t- there's talks of a bakery there. 
Um, it's, that's already been permitted, actually. Oh, really? Yep. Awesome. Um, oh, yeah. Is there anything else you can tell us that's been permitted? <laughs> it was permitted, absolutely. Since we have you here. You did say pub earlier. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm just talking in general terms. Oh. So what do you, when you're looking at, you know, the permitting side of things, and there's a ton of empty buildings down through there. Um, it's a lot of space. It's a ton mm-hmm. of space. We talked about it. I mean, like it's, it's, it's a ton of space, and it's interesting. I'm curious what, this isn't a question that you may know the answer to, but when that, it became kind of that mix between commercial and industrial mm-hmm. and residential. There's not much residential on Walnut there's Street. There's um, but that mix between industrial and commercial where you have restaurants next to a machine shop. Right. Um, yeah. And I know OG Kelly, mm-hmm. yeah. random piece of information, correct me if I get this wrong, but they made the lead box that carried the atomic bomb. I believe wow. it. I know, they're lead, I know they're lead yeah. manufacturing is yeah. what they do. I don't know the specifics, I'm but pretty, I, believe, I would believe that. That's, uh, I'm pretty sure they made the lead box that that housed the atomic bomb that was used there's a lot of like nuclear and atomic uh, little interesting tidbits around you, this part of the What are you country. talking about? Something going on in Irwin I heard about recently, yeah. but uh, they they make something out there. Um, that's submarine gas. Yes, yes, that's it. Submarine fuel. <laughs> it's nuclear. nuclear. That's eighty-seven. <laughs> uh, so the railroad tracks were, um, you know, kind of closer to. Um, uh, what was um, to blow honey uh, summer's hardware uh, where the kind of concentration of older buildings so that was kind of the the I think the beginning of this industrial district that served just outside of downtown yeah and so that was so West Walnut was the industrial hub the original industrial initial industrial hub uh, for the city and so it had that industrial roots um, and I think over time, um, it's, you know, the, the industry, uh, I think there was all the way up those tracks, you had foundries and coal yards and, and all these other libraries and types. stuff like that. And they're not there anymore. And so in their place, uh, as maybe some of the supportive businesses and things that were um, just outside of those main uh, uh, plants, you had, you know, some smaller buildings and things that have over time turned over into these restaurants and and that type of stuff so um that's kind of the the background and i think we're seeing this next generation of uh you know the industry days are um for especially for that area uh, i think we're recognizing are are over and so what's the what's the next future for that district and how does it relate to downtown uh today's downtown just the way that the old industrial area um for the old downtown And one thing you mentioned earlier was infill, and there's a ton of cool old buildings still lining that Walnut District and mm-hmm. and downtown. Um, Dave, from your perspective, you know we really pushed a lot of entrepreneurship in Johnson City. We like to see that type of growth. What's the process? Let's just break it down bare bones. What's the process for someone who wants to open a business? <clears throat> we'll say it doesn't really matter what the business is. Maybe it does. Um, if you're talking about putting a kitchen in and, sure. and hoods and stuff like that, um, fire suppression, whatever. But we'll just say a generic business that doesn't need any of that stuff. What's the process look like for someone wanting to start a business who may not know that 
how where to get started so they've they've purchased and or leased a building mm-hmm. downtown um who do they go to first okay my first recommendation would be before you sign any papers to lease or <laughs> right. buy any building right the first people you want to talk to is planning to make sure you can do whatever it is that you want to do where you want to do it good advice because a lot of times that doesn't happen and they come to us and just like you explained I just signed these papers, I leased this building, and now I want to have, I want to put in my dog kennel, you know, (laughs) or something. I don't know, I was thinking of something strange, or out of the ordinary, I guess. Um, And they might not be able to, so our conversation really ends there. Um, uh, Unless there are some, unless the folks up in planning and zoning have some different guidance about how they might be, which which is, you know, we typically, zoning is set for a reason, so unless there's something unique about that property where it could be considered otherwise it's pretty much the end of the story so okay let's pretend that you've done that first and you've signed your lease papers zoning said it's okay now what um we don't deal on the business licensing side so we tell them as whatever your industry is make sure you're properly set up with your taxes and you know get yourself an accountant yeah right get yourself an accountant make sure your licensing for whatever your your trade or business is 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 complete you know we don't deal in that so but as far as the space is concerned um the way i always explain it is every building um is constructed to meet the needs of its use so um if you change the use you're going to have to change something in that building most likely to meet the new needs of the new use. Um, if you go into a building that had the same use already, so if you have a church and it's been closed and somebody comes along and they buy the church and they want to use it as a church, perfect scenario. That's great. It's already made to suit the needs of a church. Um, but if you take a gas station and you want to turn that gas station into a church there's a lot of things you're going to have to change you know so so there's some steps there to take and those are the things you have to consider and there are thresholds for requirements as far as that goes um uh, i won't get into all that but but basically um we have to find out things from you like what are you going to do um so we know which category to fit it in building use wise Mm -hmm. um how big is it so we know how many people are going to be in there um and and those things are going to drive a lot of the needs of the building it'll tell you how many toilets you have to have if it has to be sprinkler how many exits you have to have um how many parking spaces will be dictated by by uh, planning um, um so all the things that have to be met are derived from that and that's the information we'll have to get from you and very often uh, it's weekly if not you know multiple times a week i'll go I, I just came came from one before i came here i'll go out to a site and do that with people i'll, I'll look at it and say they say, well, I did it for you guys down yeah. there. We talked about it on the front end oh, of yeah. Skillville. You were a, a huge help with that because we, you know, we had a, an idea mm-hmm. of, of kind of what direction we needed to go, but really had no clue the best way to go about that. Sure. So, yeah, thanks for that. And side note, but yeah, it was a lot of detec- detective work, and then you and then you send them through the process. Sometimes they have to get an architect. Sometimes they just go get a builder. Yeah. You know, depending on on thresholds of uh, use and size. Yeah. Um, and then we document it and we go through the process of of getting it built and inspected. When all that's done, we say, "Here's your certificate of occupancy. Go ahead, use your use your space downtown." If they've gotten a permit to do anything on the exterior, ah, you're right. There, there yeah. matters where you're doing it as yeah. to the nuances of the process <laughs> uh, there's so no this nuance is down, this is a downtown example right yeah yeah okay. 
Well, you mentioned parking. There's no parking for right, downtown right. Um, that's required. There, are, there aren't parking requirements for downtown. No parking requirements zero. for downtown. Okay. So it's basically zero. Is that in the historic zone? or, or It's larger re- than this. Redevelopment uh, it's district. It's in the B2 zoning district, which okay. is our central business district. Okay. Um, which is larger than just our historic district. Yeah. It extends down to about the down home, so well beyond historic. That, right? and then like kind of up north Rome. Almost to the library. Bit, library. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's, a big, it's a big area. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that's helpful because there isn't parking for every building. Though. Yeah, and there is public parking yeah. in a lot of places. So you consolidate the parking and people walk to wherever they need to go. Um, but so it we're... So if Dave gets a permit and they want to change the exterior of a building downtown, then, and it's in the historic district, then it has to meet the design guidelines for the historic district and has to to receive what's called a certificate of appropriateness. And they have to apply for that depending on the scale of what they're doing. If it's a major renovation, it's going to have to go um, to the Historic Zoning Commission for approval. Um, If they want to add signage, that's what we get a lot is people put a new business into an existing building um, they may just do interior renovations to meet the needs of the um, the building code um, and there's not a whole lot going on the exterior of the building except for signage that's so that has to meet the design guidelines as well and so they have to get a, a coa um, uh, before they can proceed with at putting up that signage or if it's a major renovation they have to get that coa um, and, uh, and 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 build it according to what was approved before the building department will issue the certificate of occupancy. So there's just a little extra layer there of protection just for, for purposes of preservation, um, and maintaining the character of downtown. Just to make sure you're not hanging a live nudes neon on the outside of your building. Uh, we don't judge content. <laughs> uh, just uh, It's true. <laughs> if you could do that in a historic fashion, and, yeah, and, you know, you'd be, you'd be allowed. That would be that would be be more historically appropriate. Than <laughs> right. Some of the things that go up. I've, neon is a, an approved type of sign. It's so expensive. Material. It's so cool. I'd love to be able to do that. I've looked into that before. I, I, I could see. I could, see, I could see that. I could see you doing that. Making the sense. neon, blowing the glass is. It's obviously something I don't know how to do, and I would have to learn that. But the the craziest part is you have to uh, what's the word? It's like render the the neon and and for those who have never delved into this, neon is a gas, an inert gas, and the colors that the light shines is all based on how much of that gas you fill the glass with. The color changes the, based on the. Right. So the, the you put the gas the in the glass, density. and then you send an electrical charge through it, and, and the amount of glass is pressurized in there, gas that's pressurized in the glass, um, gives you different colors. Wow. Yeah. So, because you, cause you've seen a bunch, you know, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> but when you render, when you do that, when you render that thing, and you have to pull all the oxygen out in order to displace it with the neon. This is going to be totally wrong. Sorry if you're a, a neonist. Um, but it's something. You have to hook it up to this machine that sends like 30,000 volts through it. Wow. And it's it kills people if you don't do it right. Like, And that's just it's crazy. And that's that, why there's so much neon around. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's why it's really expensive. Uh, I'm, um, I'm glad you mentioned the historic because there's a couple other things that I think just people in general that you know have interest in, in developing or why things are the way they are in, um, in a – Johnson City is 
historic is is a is a type of overlay, so it's applicable in a couple of areas like the like the trees trees where we mentioned downtown. We have other overlays that sometimes people are uh, surprised mm. that come up. There's a uh, uh, over some of our major corridors. We have corridor overlay, design overlay, uh, gateway overlay. Uh, these are all over main roadways, um, and they impact the way those buildings are designed uh, that are that are in those areas. That, for instance, is why we have a giant brick hot dog um, out in front of <laughs> Food City on State of Franklin. So State of Franklin. A very expensive brick hot yes, dog. Yes, right. So State of Franklin is a design overlay. And mm-hmm. so everything that's within like 300 feet, I think it is, from the center line of that road, if your property touches it and you build something on it and it's new, new construction, it has to be either you know 75% natural brick or um stone um and there there's there are a lot of other regulations but i just put that out there because it's uniqueness yeah um and the idea is it is through the major thoroughfares and they want to generate this image um that's pleasurable you know they they want to control the aesthetic absolutely so folks that come through the city to have this experience when they go through those major thoroughfares so i get that one more question and we'll wrap it up is there still such a thing as grandfathered in? It's no. <laughs> I still use I'm it. I'm sorry. Because I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's what people understand. But legal non-conforming. Right. Is, so you can have a legal non-conforming structure. You can have a legal non-conforming use. Um, so if something was established prior to the laws changing, then it can continue as a legal non-conforming use. Uh, and there are very specific uh, rules for when they would have to then may have to conform with today's standard. So they could lose that legal non-conforming use and have to become a conforming use. Um, and it doesn't have anything to do with who your dad's dad was. <laughs> but but what if he was the mayor? <laughs> and and, and uh, of course, when I said no, I was completely joking. I actually just used the term grandfather at, at, at the uh, site visit that I just did before coming here. Oh, yeah. But it's also applicable on the building side. So right. he, yeah. he was talking mainly in use, but as far as um, construction, um, the, the the point that I made about a church always being a church, and if you want to move in and make it a church again, absolutely. Yeah. Even if it's a church in the wrong way, it's still allowed to be that wrong type of church as long as you're keeping it a church. Right. So, right. so there's no change of use. Correct. Yeah, we don't we don't regulate by ownership. Interesting. I didn't know if that was a term that was still. I know it's still used. It's used all the time, but mm-hmm. I didn't know if there was a new term for it, which you just so explained. So I to guess us. to clarify, even if that church was constructed in a way that doesn't meet today's building code standards, but at the time mm-hmm. was um, good enough to serve as a church as yep. far as assembling people, correct, and having bathrooms and yep. exits, <clears throat> and then it's no longer uh, used as a church for some time. Mm-hmm. And then someone else comes in and wants to use it as a church. Right. They don't have to update it to today's church standards or assembly standards because there hasn't been a change of use. That's correct. I got a great example. Yeah. Has anyone been in the bathrooms at the ale house? Bathroom? Bathroom at the ale house. Well, they got two, right? Yeah, there are a few yeah, there's two of them. Yeah. Is there? The yeah. size is a great example of that <laughs> yeah. because those were, it was originally. Use both? Yeah. <laughs> It was originally, you know, Sometimes a, there's a, line. a beer joint. It, you know, yeah. s- still a beer joint. Yeah. Even and, though it was closed for right, right. 25 so years. So whenever they open it back up, we said, there you go. You're, you're still a beer joint. 
So I always like to use that, that one as an for example. Zoning, but it does for building. For building, for zoning, right. if you do that, if you vacate it can, for twelve it, months, right, right, that's right, right. Then right. you have to conform. Have but they were still in a. Um, this is all building code based. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not. But I think based. now it's changed, right? So I, I feel like I had that conversation with one of the owners that said if we if we did the exact same thing now, if you build it new now. If you build it new, for sure. Absolutely. But the way he explained it, it was if they opened it, mm-hmm. exact same. There are thresholds you can cross. Yeah. Um, so whenever they first opened, they basically put a coat of paint on, cleaned it up, and said we're open. Yeah. You know, yeah. that was that was perfect situation to right. keep that. Right. So there's a fifty percent threshold or a change of use threshold yeah. that have different triggers. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. so that 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 at times can be a, a need to do that. Yeah. Actually there was one a downtown that they actually they redid everything in there. They exceeded fifty percent. All the building systems were new, all new finishes, and even though it was still the same size and the same use, we said you've got to upgrade your bathrooms because if you're right. going to do all that, you know, right. you're kind of crossed the point. You've got to do it right at this point. You, you know? can't keep these little bathrooms in the corner. Yeah, right, just to, right. Yeah. And it's that 50% threshold. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. And it's that's good. I mean, everything needs to be ADA compliant at this right. point exactly. in the game anyway. So, all right, guys, I really appreciate you coming. I think you've, you've given some awesome insight to how this stuff works. I'd love to have another conversation with you at some point if we can because I know there's so much more we could talk about. Um but for now, thanks for coming out. Um, thank you guys for thanks, listening. Seth. Yeah, thanks for having us yeah, very much. Appreciate you guys. Um, if you like the podcast, share it with a friend. Um, that's how we keep this thing rolling. So until next time, see you. Bye.